Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue our study of the Jewish people as seen in the life of Joseph. Today's message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. 27. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. Let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh, and his brethren were content. See, Judas says, No, not our hands. Not our hands. We just got to get rid of him, but, but not with our hands. Not with our hands. Come on, he's still, he's still our brother. He said, I don't want this blood on my hands. Let's take the money, but da, da, da. John 18, 28. And they brought him to Pilate. He's Jewish. We're not going to do this. Not our hands. Pilate. Pilate says, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't find any fault in this man. Pilate your, your position is insecure under Caesar, who is suspicious of anybody who tries to make himself a king. Pilate, this man said he was a king. Pilate, if you are friend of a man who made himself a king, you are not Caesar's friend. Ooh, that did it. Pilate gets up there. He says, look, I don't know about the hands, but I'll tell you what, give me some water. I'm washing my hands. It's not, it says, you know, well, just, Pilate's wife comes and says, listen, listen, darling, don't have anything to do with that man. I've suffered many things in a dream because of him. Don't do anything with him. He said, okay, look, I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to them. I'm washing my hands. Crucify him. What new business have I got to do today? That's what happened. It was the not our hand affair. And then what happened? It says there, in verse 28, And then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. They lifted him up. They sold him. They were sitting down eating bread. Anybody got any bread? Yeah, okay, good. And the Midianites came, and they took Joseph, and they sat there, and they watched Joseph as he walked away in the horizon. And they watched Joseph get smaller and smaller with the Midianites, and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then finally, he was gone. He was gone. The dreamer's gone. The one we hate and envy is gone. The problem in our family is gone. And they watched him slowly, slowly disappear as he's marched off as a slave for the Midianites. And sitting down there at the foot of his cross, over those hours, through the stages of dehydration, through the shallow breaths, through the glassy eyes, through the tongue that's sticking to his jaws, through the blood that's dropping from his hands, his feet, his head. They watch him, his life, get smaller and smaller, smaller and smaller, smaller and smaller. And finally he says, into thy hands I commend my spirit and <sighs> breathes up his last. And he's gone. He's gone. He disappeared. The one who accused us. 
the one who said we were sinners and needed to be saved, and if we weren't saved, we were going to hell. The one who said he was God, the one who said he was the I am, the deceiver, he's gone. He's gone. We watched him disappear. The one who troubled our family, the one who we hated, he's gone. We watched him slowly disappear. We sat here as he disappeared. But they weren't gone. Genesis 49, verse, Genesis 41, verse 39. Joseph, long history, goes to prison, interprets dreams. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream, interprets Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh's dream, and Joseph is now in front of the most powerful man on all the earth, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, because of your dreams, he says, for as much as God has showed you all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled, only in the throne I'll be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or feet in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath Paneah, a little bit different from Joseph, and gave him a new, gave him a wife, uh, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. And Joseph went over all the land of Egypt. He wasn't gone. He was exalted to be the most powerful man under Pharaoh for all of Egypt, which was the most powerful nation on the earth. So effectively for the whole earth, this Joseph, unbelievable. And the Egyptians reverence him. The Egyptians reverence him. You know what it says about the Lord Jesus Christ? As he put it in Matthew 8.11, and I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. It says in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What happened? The Lord Jesus Christ was put in the grave. But then a day came, three days later, he was resurrected. Where? To the right hand of God the Father. And he was given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, every tongue, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. What? He's Lord. He's been exalted. He's not gone. He's the most powerful one in the universe now. He is, the, he is, he is at the right hand of God the Father. And many Gentiles know that. But most of the Jews don't. Joseph, in a different place, has been exalted to this highest place in Egypt. And the Egyptians all know that. But his family doesn't know it. In uh, Genesis 45, verse 3, when it finally comes to a time when Joseph can turn to his family and really concern for them, one of the first things that he asks in Genesis 45, 3, he asked about his father. He says, my father's still alive. 
What that shows about the heart of Joseph is that he never forgot his family. And he always broke, his heart was broken for them. Well, what about, what about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I mean, they're, he's, they're dogging his tracks every time place he goes. He's got to leave this city. They're going to stone him. He's got to go there. He's got to go there. They're trying to catch him. Well, wh- where is he at? Is he like, you know, I'm done? No. He stands outside that city and he cries out with such a shrieking burden of a cry that he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thee together, gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under his wings, you would not. Well, Joseph's family, they rejected him. Yeah? Egyptians, oh, they knew that Joseph's family rejected him. They knew that. As a matter of fact, it's a little bit of an embarrassment for them. Oh, well, who's, your, who's, the, who's the most mighty man here in Egypt? Oh, it's Joseph. Where'd he come from? Well, his family hates him. They sold him. Ugh. Don't like that. We gotta take this, take this, take this, take this. Is it Joseph, say, listen, um, we got a little bit of a problem here. It's about your background. Don't worry, we can fix it. it says a uh, little name change. You got a new wife. You got a new religion. We'll give you this Egyptian name here. We give you this this daughter of the priest of On for a wife. You're gonna have children. Forget about all that past with your family rejecting Joseph. You're an Egyptian. And so they do that. So the Egyptians try to Egyptianize Joseph. They try to Egyptianize Joseph. You know, I remember one time when my wife and I were in Florence and we were going through looking at the Michelangelo uh, uh, sculptures there, and the most famous one's David. Saw it for the first time. My wife and I are going there. And, and so I, I, I come running up there and, and I'm looking at it. And she says, I'm staring at it. And she says, What are you looking at? I said, It's David, yeah. I said, he's not circumcised. She goes, he's not circumcised. What's the matter with you? Why do you do that? I said, well, because he's not circumcised. They, 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 he's not Jewish. He's, he, 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 they made him an Italian. He says, uh, she, says, uh, she says, what's the matter with you? She says, they made him an Italian. Joseph was made into an Egyptian. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's embraced as Lord and Savior by many non-Jews. And as it went through in the church history, it became a little bit of an embarrassment to the fact that here we are. We say, oh, Lord God Almighty, the great Messiah has come, and yet the Jews reject him. So it's been an effort. Every time I've seen pictures of, of paintings of the Lord Jesus Christ, he looks like Salminio. He doesn't look Jewish at all. And so they try to Egyptianize him, just like with Joseph. What happened? In Genesis 42, something occurs. Now, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, there, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy us corn from thence, that we may live and not die. A great famine, a great famine had come in the area. There was no food. They were in threat of dying. It was dire they were going to die for lack of food. There was, a, there was a, an affliction which came. 
God brought an affliction, and therefore they were motivated to go down into Egypt. They were motivated to go down into Egypt. And it says that when Jacob had made that proposal to his sons, you know what it says? It says that his sons said, his his sons didn't say anything, but they were just looking at each other back and forth. Did he say Egypt? 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 I didn't think we'd ever have to deal with Egypt again. And Jacob, he doesn't know what's going on. He says, what's the matter with you? We're dying. Go down to Egypt. We've heard there's things. But they remember, oh, there's something about Egypt that we don't want to, we can't talk about that right now. We just would rather not talk about that. And finally, he has to put pressure on them to go down there and do that. Well, now we're getting into what's going to happen in the future. Because it says about the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts 5.30 that he was resurrected to give repentance to Israel. He was resurrected to give repentance to Israel. What brings repentance to Israel, to the Jews? Tough times, hard times, affliction. There's no food over here. You've got to go down to to Egypt. We are being persecuted by our enemies. We are on the brink of being destroyed. We must look elsewhere beyond ourselves. We must look elsewhere beyond ourselves. Persecution is coming. This is the present condition of Israel today. Let me show you from Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, what the situation is with regard to, to uh, Israel today. Here it says, And he said unto me, and again, this is the, uh, the uh, prophet uh, Ezekiel. God is speaking to him. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. Okay. And the Spirit entered into me, this is Ezekiel, when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, this is Ezekiel, I send thee to the rebel, to, I send thee to a children of Israel, to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation. God speaking, a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. Rebellious, rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this day. They are an impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they hear or whether they forbear, Parentheses, for they are rebellious house. Did I mention they were a rebellious house? Third time. For they are rebellious house, yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee. Ezekiel's not going to be pleasant. And thou dost dwell among scorpions. Great place to live, God. Be not afraid of their words, be not dismayed of, the, dismayed of their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Did I say that they're rebellious? A rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words, not your words, Ezekiel, but my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. Did I mention they're rebellious? But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee, be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house, Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, and behold, a hand was sent unto me, and a roll of the book was therein, and he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written there, Lamentations, mourning, and woe. Affliction is coming. Why? Did you get how many times God said, Rebellious, 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 rebellious? Take some hard medicine, God said. But it's going to get good. Now, what's going on here? Well, it comes to a point. It comes to a point in, in, in their history here 
when they go down into, into Egypt. And again, we're going to go back to Genesis 42. The brethren are going now down back into Egypt. And they get down in there. And it says here in verse 6, And Joseph was governor over all the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph, brethren, came and bowed down themselves. He didn't look like someone were going to bow. They're bowing down to him with their faces to the earth. They don't know who he is. He looks like an Egyptian. He's got an Egyptian name. He doesn't speak Hebrew. Well, he speaks Hebrew, but he's speaking through an interpreter. He's got an Egyptian wife over there. He's painted up like an Egyptian. He looks Egyptian. They don't know him. But they're bowing down to him. Just like this, just like the dream said. Then it says these words. In verse 7, it says, Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them. Joseph saw his brethren and he knew him, but he made himself strange unto them. He made himself strange unto them and he spake roughly unto them and he said, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. He knew them, but they didn't know him. You know, Paul, he bows down. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ knew Paul. But he says, who are you? The Lord Jesus Christ knew Paul. He didn't know who the Lord Jesus Christ was, but he was bowing before him. He was bowing before him. He said, it was hard for you to kick against the pricks, Paul. But that brought you to a place where you're bowing down and you're asking the question, who am I? I know who you are. Who am I? It was hard for you to go through that, that famine, but that brought you to the point where you bow before me, bow before me. I knew who you, I know who you are, but you don't know me. You don't know me. You need me. Saul, you don't know me. You need me. You need me. You're both bowing. You need me. Then what happened? He makes himself strange. He makes himself strange. Who are you? Who are you? They're thinking, who are you? He spoke by an interpreter to them. He didn't speak their own language. They couldn't recognize him. He's kind of concealed a little bit. He's kind of concealed. He's kind of concealed until they come to the end of themselves and say, who are you? He's kind of concealed from the Jews a little bit. They don't know him. They don't know him. They think, they think uh, well, you know, somehow maybe he was in some Catholic church or something like that, or he's down there at St. Peter's or something like that. They don't know him. He's concealed a little bit. He's concealed. They don't know him. But then a great change happens. In, verse, in, in Genesis 44, 16, after this history goes forward a little bit, and Judah, she, he says, he doesn't know who he's talking to. He's talking to his brother Joseph. And Judah says, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. He doesn't say what it is. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. All right. Now they're to the place. When a Jew says, I don't have anything to say, I don't have anything to do, I don't have any more options, he's at the end of himself. Any person. He's at the end of himself. He's at the end. And God says, Joseph says, we can't go anywhere until you come to the end of yourself and the beginning of me. That's the same way with the Lord Jesus Christ. All the arguments, all the rebellions, there's the, a person is saved when they take the weapons of their warfare, all their arguments, everything they've said against them, throw them down and say, 
Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. I have no more arguments against you. I have no more things that I can do. I'm falling down in front of you for your mercy. Have mercy on me, a lost sinner. Got to get to that point. He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that acknowledges sin shall have mercy. He that covers his sin, I'm not so bad, everything's okay, shall not prosper, but Lord, I am a sinner. Acknowledge your sin, have mercy. The point was reached there. Then, Genesis 45, verse 1, says here, Joseph could not refrain himself before all that that's all they that stood by him, and he cried, caused every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him while Joseph made known himself to his brethren. This was an extremely private family affair. All the Egyptians were sent out. We have the benefit from the Bible in the chapter 45 of Genesis to press our eyes against the window outside the house and see what happened and hear what happened, but we are not inside there because this is a private affair of family only. This is family business. This is Joseph revealing himself to his Jewish brethren. It is a family affair, and he puts everybody out, and they have no idea what's going on. And there's going to come a time in Israel when the Jewish nation are going to lift up their eyes and they're going to say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And it's going to be a time when it's going to be a private family affair between the Jewish Messiah and his Jewish family, his brethren, and he's going to make himself known to it. And at this time, when he sends everybody out and they have no idea who he is, they're saying among themselves, how is he even going to talk to us? He doesn't speak Hebrew. He only speaks Egyptian. What's going on? And they're in that place where Paul was when he looks up and he says, who are you? And they're looking up at this person who is just the most powerful person in Egypt. And he's put everybody out of the house and they're saying, who are you? You can't even talk to us. You don't speak our language. You've just sent your interpreter out. How in the world are we ever going to communicate? And that's the situation right there. And he says, and and what happens there is he says, and he wept aloud, his heart poured out, Joseph's heart poured out, and he wept aloud, and it was so loud that the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And I mentioned earlier before that when the Lord Jesus Christ was in Jerusalem, he cried out that the city could hear, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thee? He wept aloud, very aloud. And all of Egypt, Egyptians there in the house of uh, of of Pharaoh, they heard it. And then Joseph says, verse 3, Joseph says unto his brethren, I'm Joseph. And you know the amazing thing about it? He didn't say it in Egyptian. He said, Ani Yosef. I'm Joseph. You know what Paul heard on the road to Damascus? I'm Yeshua. I'm Jesus. You know what the Jewish nation is going to hear when they say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord? I'm Yeshua. I'm Jesus. Tom, you emphasize that Joseph did not disown his family and that his family recognized him as their own. 
even though they rejected him. How is this symbolic of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, yes, it very much is. And it was interesting how in the case of Joseph, how they did recognize him as their own brother. And that's why they were they, they hesitated. They didn't want to put their own hand on him and they let, let the Gentiles do that. You know what's so interesting about the Lord Jesus Christ is that when he came, he was heralded, not by Jews, but it doesn't matter. It was by Gentiles as the king of the Jews. Those were the magi. Those were the wise men who came. And what was their question in Matthew 2, 2? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Gentiles calling him king of the Jews. And then at the end of his life on earth, another Gentile, this time the Roman, Pilate. It says in Matthew 27, 37, when he's on the cross, it says, and he set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. You know, that's so symbolic because the Gentiles can see him as the king of the Jews, and they announce his coming that way, and they announce his departure in death that way, the king of the Jews. And he never said, no, I'm not. It was a title that he gladly owned because the king was going to rescue his people, the Jewish people, from death and from sin, which is what he did on the cross. He truly is the king of the Jews. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom Cantor will continue with our study of the Jewish people as seen in the life of Joseph. If you'd like to learn more about Israel Restoration Ministries or Tom Cantor, go to friendshipwithgod.org. Join us again tomorrow at this same time.